Everybody, welcome to another episode of the Fair Chase Podcast. Before we start this episode, we're going to again take a little time to thank a little bit of the people who helped make this show possible. First up is 2.0 Gear. Uh, it's a new brand that we just started partnering with. Uh, they make awesome uh, high-end technical uh, hunting clothes, camo. Um, and so they're based in Michigan yep. and a uh, new company. We've tested them for months. I tested them uh, in the whitetail season last year. Great Merino base layers. Yep. Great awesome Merino shells. Yep. Awesome a, new pattern. A great system for going out west, but we'll use it a ton in the, in the whitetail woods too. So really excited to work with them. 2ogear.com. Go check them out. Next up is Worldwide Trophy Adventures. Uh, it's it's an awesome, uh, basically, connection to outfitters all over the world. So as a lot of people know, good hunting ground is really hard to come by. And um, oftentimes, the best way to ensure that you're going to get in a good spot or you may, maybe you need to legally have a guide is to, to go through an outfitter. Mm -hmm. um, and so... As you might know, if you've heard us before, we've had good experiences and bad experiences with outfitters, uh, which means, you know, in order to ensure you're going to have a good experience, you have to do a ton of research. You have to talk to people. It's just a lot of messing around. Worldwide Trophy Adventures, or WTA, does a lot of this work for you at no charge. So by booking your trip through WTA, you can rest assured that you'll be in a good location with a reputable outfitter um, that they've certified and endorsed. If you're looking to book a trip of a lifetime like I am, mm -hmm. uh, just headed to a moose hunt here through WTA, you're going to want to check them out. Uh, go give them a call. Actually, I have the number right here. It's 1-800-346-8747 or check out their website at worldwidetrophyadventures.com. All right, so we love Trophy Line. They offer more than just saddles. Believe it or not, they have their own climbing sticks. They've got platforms. They've got a ton of extra packs. Gear. They've got packs. They've got everything. Knee pads. Everything that you're going to need to be a saddle hunter, they have it. So if you want to start saddle hunting this year and get into the game like everyone else and really love hunting even more, go to Trophy Line. Check it out. Use the code TFC10 to save yourself 10% on that purchase. We're big bow hunters. Uh, sights, quivers, stabilizers, those kind of things are really important if you're going to have a deadly setup. Um, and so we've tried a lot of different companies in the industry and we've kind of figured out that we really like Redline gear the best. So, um, we are shooting their torch sites this yeah, year. It's Joe a, Shore, it's a really cool, one. really cool site. Very, there's a lot of good micro adjustments you can make. You mm -hmm. can customize a lot of the stuff on there really make it your own. The chargeable USB rechargeable yeah, light is really sweet. Cool. Um, and so we're huge fans of their stuff. We use them all the time. It's worth going to check them out. Uh, check out Redline. Use the promo code TFC10 for 10% off your purchase. And uh, let us know what you think. We love them. Welcome to another episode of the Fair Chase Podcast. I was going to try to start by saying it a different way because I say the same thing over and over again in every episode. I try to start with something different than welcome to another episode. But that was what I had. So that's the best I got this week. Thanks for everybody for tuning in uh, again. Hopefully you're having a uh, fantastic hunting season. We are, we've got a lot of meat in the freezer and just having a good time, but um, wanted to uh, bring uh, a buddy of ours on uh, the podcast from the Kafaro team, Dan Collins. Dan, you want to introduce yourself, who you are, what you do? Yeah. Thank you, James, for having me on here. I appreciate it. So yeah, I'm uh name's Dan Collins. I uh, moved to Wyoming to work for Kafaru um, a year and a half ago when the first initial move from Colorado happened to move up here to Wyoming. And I'm originally from Tennessee, grew up hunting whitetail, and that's pretty much my story. I got into tournament archery a couple years ago, and that's how I met Aaron was through shooting tournaments. 
Uh, I shot trad. I was fortunate enough to shoot trad all over the world. I actually went to Italy for the world games um, a couple years ago or last year now. So um, met Aaron. Moved Wait, to you Wyoming, went to the world games and, last year? Yeah. Yeah. September oh. of last year. Okay. So yeah. And I ended up getting fourth in the world. So um, with, <laughs> with a bare bow. So I shot trad for a couple years and I did, I did pretty good in the States. I, I was number one in IBO and ASA and, and then we went to the games and I got fourth. So I decided to retire the trad bow and switch to compound. So now I'm shooting compound and uh, just cause I like killing stuff and it's a lot easier to kill stuff when you're shooting. It compound. Is. So yeah, I did, uh, yeah. I did the, the, the recurve or the trad game for a while. I switched back between a recurve and a longbow and it's really fun. It's really, what I always liked about it is how just easy it, like it's light it's so, and simple. So you just grab it and go carry it out in the woods and stuff. Um, yeah. but I was definitely not fourth in the world status. So like, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Uh, who's, so you said you, you, where'd you go to, to compete? Where, where was it held? Uh, it was held in a town called Terni, Italy, which is about an hour north of Rome. So okay. it was just a small town, <laughs> little village town. And we were literally shooting, uh, the finals through the like streets of the town. And you know, <laughs> there's like, you could smell, you could smell the pasta in the air. Like it was so Italian. It was awesome. So, uh, it was, it was a cool trip. We were there for, uh, like 10 days and got to shoot with the best archers in the entire world, uh, with stick, you know, with the uh, traditional and bare bow. So it was, it was a really cool experience. Were there a lot of, a lot of bow hunters there? Or were you uh, kind of a minority as a, the hunting archer there? Oh, I'm definitely my, the minority. Pretty much you have Australia where, you know, they, they came yep. and they hunt a little bit. Mike Fisher's one of the guys that came, uh, from Australia, but really all the other countries are like UK, Switzerland, this and that, and they don't hunt at all. So, uh, they're definitely all a little envious. I think of the American shooters when they show up cause they, they want to hunt, but they just can't where they live. So, uh, you know, that's, that's the thing, but we all could, could still connect on that archery vibe and, and shoot 3d targets, which was cool. Man, the beauty of the flight of the arrow, man, you can, you can kind of just, uh, gather around that. Um, is there like a country that's a powerhouse? Like, like Japan is like, you know, known as like a, you know, powerhouse art, you know, barebo or whatever. Is there, is there like a country that is known as, it's kind of like top of the tier for that? Yeah. I would say Sweden for bear. Sweden. Um, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sweden's really good. Uh, they were there and I didn't think I was going to beat them. Uh, and I was able to shoot with, um, one of their guys over there, he's around my age, around 20. His name's Leo Patterson. He's a really mm -hmm. good shooter. Um, has set a lot of records and I got to shoot right beside him. And, and I think on a normal day, I wouldn't have beat him, but he was having a bad day. So ended up nice. pulling ahead, but Sweden, Sweden's really good. Italy has a good shooter as well. Um, and then Alex is in Canada. So, but I would say as a whole, there's like three or four really good world-class barebow shooters that are in Sweden. Yeah. Interesting. So. And so you, <clears throat> how long were you, uh, how long were you shooting before you just headed off to the, you said a couple of years? Yeah. I picked up the stick bow in 2019. 
so not too long how'd you get so good so fast man like what are you just natural or do you have a good coach or like what how did that happen that's crazy i owe it all to my my coach i i don't think i could have gotten to where i got so fast if it wasn't for my coach he's a guy named jim laird and he was in the town that that i was in but he's originally from pennsylvania he grew up shooting tournaments uh had a lot of mindset type stuff to teach me also form and he just took me under his wing started taking me to tournaments and if it wasn't for him i wouldn't definitely not be where i'm at now probably never met aaron and i wouldn't be at kafaru so he's he's the guy and uh if anybody's ever in the chattanooga tennessee cleveland area um definitely try to find harvest archery and find jim laird he's a legend so I've seen you wearing a hat or something on social media. Um, what, so you say mental stuff and I'm actually kind of interested in that, uh, just because, and actually Joe and I were talking about this not that long ago. Um, uh, just, uh, I have some issues with uh, target panic, for example, like bad, they were, they're not as bad now. They were, they, I went from shooting the best I ever shot and almost overnight it went from the best to the worst ever. And then I've slowly kind of worked and it's just kind of ups and downs now. So when I, that's why I kind of ask about the, the mental side, cause I know that's what I'm dealing with. I just don't know exactly what to do is I've tried a lot of things. So is your target panic? Like, uh, is it where your pin you're, you're not getting your pin to the point where you want it to be, or when you get it there, that's immediately when you shoot. Cause there's two different uh, types I've seen. Yeah. So I hold it high, I can't get it down. And so, you know, I, I basically hold it above where I want to hit every time. And anytime, okay. you know, if it, when it's bad and I, I can finally get it over where I'm aiming, then I'm just firing as quickly as I can to try to like make the most of, you know, being over the, the, the target or where I'm aiming, if that makes sense. Yes. So that makes perfect sense. A lot of people either have the top down or the bottom up if i have a little bit of target panic i come bottom up but um basically the number one thing that will change target panic for anybody is the decision and jill turner talks about it uh jim had always talked to me about it and you can either have the subconscious or the unsubconscious trigger that makes your shot go but the the thing that is going to stop it is the decision and the more you have target panic the longer you have to focus on the decision so if I, if you have it really bad and you're trying to get over it right now, you need to basically draw back, put your pin on the spot and look at it, get used to say, okay, my finger's off the trigger right now and I'm not going to shoot and I'm going to let down. But what I made the decision was, hey, my finger's not on the trigger and if I was going to shoot, I'm going to move towards trigger, but I'm on the spot and the decision goes from I'm going to, move my whole body down and punch to I'm mm-hmm. going to move down. I'm focused on it. And then I'm going to work through my trigger. So the decision between I am focused on the point and then I'm going to move to whatever activates my shot, whether it's the trigger or if you're shooting a trad bow, if it's a sear or if it's just your mental, when you're going to let it go, that decision time is, is what, gives people target panic and it's what takes target panic away. Um, and basically 
the worse you have target panic, the longer you have to take on to make that decision. So okay, you got to just hold off then, for a minute, just let it hover. You, yeah, you have you have to hover on the spot and sit there and tell your mind, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna sit here until I'm comfortable, and then I'm gonna move on to whatever makes the shot go." So if you're shooting like a puncher release, draw back your fingers behind the trigger, hold yep. on the hold on the dot. Don't even worry about the trigger until you're so focused on the dot that you're like, okay, now I'm, I'm totally fine with moving to this trigger and moving through the shot without any target panic type thoughts coming through my mind. Interesting. And then eventually. It... Yeah. Eventually. So like if you break target panic, that decision is just like a half second. Right. You know, so it goes from, it goes from being super hard and it takes like 30 seconds to be like, I'm not scared anymore. Yeah. And so I, that's just what people need to focus on is the, is the decision. And, and Jill Turner talks about that all the time. And, and I like a lot of what he says about the decision part. Yeah. So it's a conscious, you're taking it out of your subconscious and you're making it into your sub, your conscious mind, your like higher brain function. Right. Is that, is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. All right. We're going to take a pause here real quick and just thank a few more guys and companies that help make this show possible. First up is Vortex. We can't say it enough. We love their glass. We love their binoculars, spotting scopes, range finders, their apparel. James James is rocking a nice little hoodie here. They make awesome stuff. And if you guys are looking to make a purchase at Vortex, go over to their website and use the code TFC20 to save yourself 20% on the next purchase. That's a big, good discount. Use it. Head over there and get something. A bow makes a man. Does and, it? Yeah, that's what I was told. And we're we're big fans of uh, Prime Bows. Shooting it for years. Michigan-based company. Uh, we're shooting their latest Revix series of bows. Mine's that 36 long boy. I'll generally year. take a few shots right back here and just... Yeah. Yeah, we, we're huge fans. Smooth, uh, great balance. Um, they're, they're just go check them out. There's tons of technology. One of my favorite things that they have is their grip. Mm. Uh, space age space technology age. keeps your hand warm even when it's cold. Um, highly recommend go check out Prime Archery. Finally, Lathrop and Sons boots. Your feet kill animals. Like the more you walk, the more chances you have at, at getting that big buck, that big elk moose whatever it is uh lathrop and sons have been kind of our go-to boot of choice for a while now um we've put in a lot of miles taking them all over the place there's no leaking it's comfortable stephen and james there like spent they're like foot they're they're geniuses i got messed up feet and they basically will you know you take an imprint of your foot they'll look at it look at your arch how wide it is how narrow how long and they literally build the boot around your foot so you're not going to a box store and picking up something that you hope is going to fit your boot. These things actually are tailor-made to your foot. So they're super comfortable. Mine, I could I could walk all day in them. So if, if, if you're looking to and get a have. boot. If, <laughs> I have. If you're looking for a boot that's made for you and not somebody else, go check up Lake Thurman Sons. Yeah, I mean, I, I had, when I had switched to um, shooting a recurve, actually it kind of went away for a while from compound to recurve just because I think it was totally a different feel, a different aim way of aiming. You know, um, I threw a clicker on there, which eventually I think it was good at first. And it probably just didn't like, I en- ended up getting worse with a clicker on my bow, I think. Cause it's like, once you hear yeah. the click, it's like, boom, you shoot. And you know, I had, um, at a buck walk out and I, 
pulled back on uh, and my clicker went off. I had forgotten to silence it. So it heard the clicker and it stopped. And all of a sudden I'm like, I'm not able to draw back or able to release upon the click because he's all tense and I've got my bow drawn back. And so what I found was like, finally, when he put his head down and I could shoot, I was so wrecked because my process was off that I sent it over his back and it was like a 12 yard shot. It was like an easy, you know, no brainer shot. And I just fell apart when, when like my shot process broke down. I've seen that a lot of people get uh, the anticipation of the actual clicker going off because you know that's when your shot's actually going to break. And that's yeah. more with trad because I shot a sear system, which is pretty much the same thing as a clicker. And then when, as soon as you hear the sear go off, that's when you shoot. So yeah, eventually people can build up that internal turmoil that they're like, oh, the clicker's coming. As soon as it goes off, that's when they flinch and they make a, a bad shot instead of it breaking. Um and that's another part you have to work through basically making the decision that says, as soon as the clicker goes off, I'm just going to relax and let it go instead of getting tense. Yeah. Uh, it's I'll just have it with a, a rifle. perfect shot. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's same thing. And, and like when I hunt, I don't really have trouble other than that one time with the recurve. I, it doesn't really, I don't have trouble shooting deer with my compound, even though I have target, whenever it happens and like I'm hunting, it doesn't seem to really affect anything. Although I will say I do almost have like that blackout feeling for the aiming part of my shot where I shoot and it just, it happens. Um, which even though like I, you know, this year shot, you know, two bucks here in Michigan, both good shots. I both kind of felt like I blacked out during the shot. I didn't like that. Like I, I want to, you know what I mean? I, I want I want to be in control even when I shoot. Even though it was a good shot and it worked out, it kind of bothers me that, you know, looking back, it was like I should have been able to be even more present and, like, focused and in control of when I decided to shoot rather than just, like, deer comes out. I'm, like, good until I, I'm about to shoot, and then I'm good right after. But that, that moment of a shot, usually it's like a blackout, you know? Yeah, you don't even remember what happened. You're like, what pin did I even put on it mm-hmm. type thing? Yeah. yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm not gonna come and say I don't have those those issues because I'm the king of blacking out. In fact, yeah. <laughs> last last year, uh, Anders killed an antelope, and I was I was with him, and I just freak out, especially even if I'm like guiding somebody because I yeah. help Aaron guide Audad for a while, and I get even more excited. And I'll throw binos, I'll throw rangefinders, and not even <laughs> yeah. remember I did it. And that's what happened with Anders. He shot he shot an antelope at 78 yards. I throw my binos. And then I start looking for my binos. I'm like, why are they not in my bino harness? I, <laughs> yeah, I didn't even exactly. remember throwing them. <laughs> so I black out all the time. And even on the Michigan buck I killed with Isaac this week, uh, same thing happened. You know, he walks out. I see him. It was kind of a fast. Everything happened fast. And I remember just telling myself, 20-yard pin, put on it. And I blacked out. I don't know if I made a good <laughs> shot or not. But I smoked it in the heart, which was good. But yeah. Uh, Half the time, half the time I black out too. So I'm not going to say I, I don't feel better that. about that now for, you know, former forest in the world, bare bow shooter also blacks out, you know, that, but that does help make me feel a little bit better. Cause it, again, like oh. as long as he dies quick, I'm good. You know, I just, I don't oh, know. Yeah. Sometimes you just, you just wish that you had been more present and it just comes yeah. with repetition, but even Aaron, Aaron kills stuff all the time and, and he'll black out too. So, um, it's just kind of a, kind of something that, if you shoot a lot of whitetail, whitetail get easy, but then you go yeah. hunt elk and you're going to black out with the elk. <laughs> yeah. So 
it's just like a new species anything that's exciting will just get you to black out again but whatever that's kind of the fun part of it too oh yeah yeah Yeah. it is until you make a bad shot and then you're like i'm an idiot i'm gonna give up bow hunting and (laughs) and then you go down that that mental like just gymnastics that you have to deal with uh so it's it's a whole process i love bow hunting for that reason though same your mind is always on it and it's like if it goes well you think about it a lot if it goes poorly i think like i'm running you know running all of it through my head all year thinking about every shot you know uh whether it's good or bad and that like you said that's that is the wonderful thing about it. it's so great like rifle I, i'm gonna go tonight and, and do a little uh hunting up north here in michigan with my rifle but i'm a i just love to bow hunt it's so much fun yeah i agree um so you've been uh you've been at kafaru for a little while um you moved there from you moved to wyoming was it from tennessee is that how that went or how did that how'd that go pretty much from tennessee i helped them move so i was in colorado for about a month but pretty much straight from tennessee to wyoming not bad all right and so how are you liking it i mean that's a big change it is a big change and i'm only 21 so this is like the first giant decision that i ever made (laughs) in my life so You've got no dependents uh, or anything like that. You're not hauling kids around or anything, right? So no, you're, you're pretty. No, yeah, that's that's pretty sweet. It was pretty. It was an easy decision because I've always wanted to move out west and hunt the western game just as my home species. So, I uh, as soon as I got the opportunity, Aaron offered me the job at an archery tournament, and I was like, 100%. I'm gonna jump on board. So <laughs> I love here it. in Wyoming. <laughs> We're in, we're in Riverton and we're like so centrally centrally located to all the mountain ranges like the Absarokas, uh, the Wind Rivers. The Wind Rivers is only 20 minutes away, so if you draw a tag anywhere in the state, it's just a an hour drive and and you can hunt pretty much the whole state. So that's it's sick. pretty it's pretty incredible. Yeah, I had seen and your uh, your old showroom, but not not the Wyoming one yet. Okay, yeah. Uh, the new the new building is is a lot better. We got a lot more space. Um, the showroom's huge, um, so we get two or three, four or five um, people in here a day just in the showroom. But you know, Kafaro is mainly online, and we're starting to yeah. do dealers as well. So we picked up, I'm thinking, uh, three dealers last week in Utah. So Sweet. we're going to do dealers all across the country. We've already got one in Virginia, uh, Tennessee. Oregon, so it's pretty good. What's the Michigan situation looking like? Uh, selfishly asking for dealers. Yeah, if you got, if you got it, we don't have one right there right now. If you have the hookup um, with I one, got a we'll, hookup for we'll you. talk to him. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should talk it's about that simple. for sure. Yeah, it's a pretty simple uh, system we got going for dealers, and it's a lot of people are liking it. So. Well, it's cool. It's it's nice to get your hands on the stuff. You know, it's all good. I you know we, all all of us are are rocking Kafaro stuff. But like, it is cool to be able to like tr- check out different packs. You know, like compare different models and stuff like that. So that would be cool. That's cool that you're doing that. How, how's it? It's going going pretty well. I with the switch from purely online to to you know dealer stuff. That's not always the easiest thing. No, it's not. And Kafaro's been online for you know its entire existence 26 years so it's just happening in the last two months and because we've already built the kafaro name for 26 years it's pretty 
pretty simple to get into all these stores and we definitely got the bandwidth now to do it. So uh, we're picking up some, some pretty big names next year. So we're pretty excited. That's sweet. Yeah. No, that's exciting. Yeah. We, we, we've been, we've been loving the, the stuff you guys put out and, you know, we're big, especially for whitetail, the, the striker is like hard to beat. Um, yeah. You know, for just a whitetail pack, especially like going, going back, you know, in, on, into public land and trying having a haul a deer out or whatever. It's real handy for that. Exactly. So, um, you guys are doing a lot more in whitetail. It sounds like yeah, a lot of you guys are, I mean, you, you were hunting here last week. Um, you did pretty well. You were saying before with Isaac, who's a new member, it sounds like of Kafaro as well. You guys were, were hunting around the lake shore or something like that and got into a buck. Yeah. So the plan was go get a bunch of whitetail content. Cause there's some things coming next year, whitetail wise for Kafaro. And we went to, uh, two states. We went to Wisconsin and Michigan. It was my first time in Michigan. Uh, I'd been to Wisconsin one time. So, uh, as a whitetail hunter growing up in Tennessee, I always had this idea about Michigan and Wisconsin not being that great. But uh, I kind of proved my <laughs> well, what, I, I proved myself expand wrong, on that, which is good. Expand on that <laughs> though. Like when you say not great, is it like what what do you what comes specifically to mind? And you know, bear in mind, a lot of people who listen to this are Michigan people. So like you know, be careful with what you say here. Yeah, I think I think my mindset was just a lot of pressure a lot of people. Um, yep. and I, 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 I guess there's a lot more deer there than I had expected. Um, yeah. but so I don't know, it was just pressure, but fortunately we were hunting private land in Michigan. So, uh, that helped that whole pressure thing. Um, but <laughs> Wisconsin, big. yeah, yeah, for sure. Wisconsin. So that's the first state we went to. We were there for three days. Uh, I passed on three different bucks while I was there just small forked horns or, uh, you know, three by twos. And then we had a, I had a decent like 130 class walk through, but he's walking through too fast. I couldn't get a shot on him. Uh, so that was all public yeah. land in, in Wisconsin. So I was, I was pretty excited. I was on public land and seeing that those caliber deer and that many deer. So they get a lot of land out there. West, yeah. Yeah. I was surprised. I would definitely go back to Wisconsin and hunt public land. Uh, but yep. once we left and he's like, we're going to Michigan. I was like, Oh, we're done. I'm not going to kill anything. Yeah. We're <laughs> not going to see anything. For a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was just my thought process. And then he was like, Hey, I have this private piece. I grew up hunting there. Uh, let's go check it out. I haven't hunted in a couple of years there. So, uh, as soon as we got there, um, I bought my Michigan tag at, at Walmart and we set that first evening for like an hour <laughs> and I saw a doe come by and then the next morning first real sit. Uh, a decent eight point walked out. So I, I let her fly. Um, so it was fun. You, I, I've <laughs> never been around that, that part of the country. So it was cool. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's a good, I, you know, it is tough. Uh, I feel like actually hunting, at least where, where, where we spend our time has actually improved. Um, over the last number of years, it's better than it was. Um, some certain things that, you know, the, the state did with, you know, antler point restriction zones and, and different things has certainly helped. Um, but there is still that, that Michigan tradition. It's like you go out and you shoot your buck, no matter what size it is, you don't shoot any doe. Like there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of that still going on. That's, that's cut into our hunting a little bit, but it's good to hear that you and see, I saw that was a, a nice, nice, uh, 
young buck uh, here in Michigan. Uh, but you've like you shot a you've kind of been on a tear. Like it looks like you shot a bear in the fall. Did I see that video? Was that you? Yeah, that was me. So I haven't had a, a super um, great year compared to last year, but I went fortunate enough to go to Alaska in, in August and got a caribou up there. That's what with I saw. Anders and, yep. Yeah, with Anders and Bill from Iron Will. And then September, I was hunting elk and got into a black bear, shot him. Uh, and then that was sweet. This this whitetail. Yeah. So it's just been three animals so far this year. Um, had a couple heartbreaking uh, instances with elk. I hit a, I hit a bull and uh, couldn't find him. So just just bow hunting. But yeah, yeah, it was fun. Alaska was a dream come true. I've always wanted to hunt caribou. And that was such an amazing trip. And then the bear, the bear was also cool. Um, but the shocker was definitely the Michigan whitetail because I didn't think that was. <laughs> I didn't see that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I like that. <laughs> uh, when for where when you were uh, uh, hunting caribou in Alaska, did you get just like dropped off, or would you take a boat up, or how'd you how'd you get in? We got dropped off. We went with Ram Aviation um, in okay. Kotzebue, Alaska. Yep, really good really good uh airline to go with and so we went in to kotzebue and then we were about 180 miles north in the middle of nowhere of kotzebue and we were there for we were going to be there for 10 days and then we all killed by day six so they came and picked us up on day seven nice it's pretty awesome i filmed the whole thing yeah i filmed the whole thing we're gonna drop a film uh probably around first of the year about it so it's gonna be pretty awesome yeah. Yeah. It looked like you guys did well, like really well. You cleaned up like that's It's so sweet out there. We did. The, the tundra and everything, man, it's sweet. We did. Bill, Bill is an absolute killer with a bow. And, uh, we were following him around for the first couple of days, got into some bulls. Bill shot his, um, on the fifth, it was the fifth day. Anders and I went out, Anders switched to a rifle. So he's, he's kind of, <laughs> I call him Mr. SCI. Cause he always switched to a yeah. rifle, but yep, anyways, yeah. <laughs> um, he, we went out and I filmed him shoot a bull giant bull. He shot the biggest of, of all, all three of us. And then that same group that he shot out of worked right towards bill and bill shot the second biggest bull out of that group. And they're both just giant bills, uh, frame on his bull was actually bigger than Anders, but Anders just had more mass on his. Right. Um, and then day six, uh, we woke up and I was like, I'm going to go shoot first thing I see. So I shot a little, uh, raghorn caribou with my bow nice. at 30 yards. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah, dude. When it comes to a trip like that, and especially for like caribou, it's like, I, I went a couple of years ago, Joe went, I think a year before that. And like, like you want to obviously get there. You see some giants. I saw some, some giants, but at the same time, the first okay one that walked by, I'm trying to shoot, you know, like, I'm like, I want a caribou exactly. bad. There's a lot exactly. of them out the group there. that I, the group that I shot mine out of, there was eight of them, and one was giant. And I was, try, of course, trying to get on him, but this one that I shot saw me and gave me a shot opportunity, and I was like, "You're about to blow this whole thing, so I'm just gonna, I'll shoot you." you and did I was the right totally thing. happy with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was totally happy with it. It was a dream come true. Shoot a caribou. Yeah, totally. How true. how was it? How was it to eat? How'd you like it? Did you eat any of it? Uh, I liked it. Yeah, I ate a lot of it. We brought 50 pounds back, so one check yep. bag, and then we donated the rest. Um, 
it's, it's definitely a different flavor than a lot of meat that you have down here like elk and deer it has like a i guess it's the tundra that yep. makes them taste a little sweeter I, I i thought it was a little sweeter than most hmm. um i don't know if you had the same experience but i uh it's not bad i i kind of like yeah i kind of like it we we cooked it up we cooked bills that night that he killed it um and we cooked it just over the open fire there uh with grizzly bear everywhere so we were waiting to <laughs> To cap a bear once it started charging this way, nothing ever came through. Yep. You know, I feel like it's worth it. You got to eat right off like a fresh kill in Alaska over an open fire. Like, that's a no brainer. Oh, it was the best thing I ever had. So, it was awesome. <laughs> Just a little salt if you have some in your backpack. I'll, I bring this thing. It's like a, it's like a salt pepper, like half and half. And I throw it in my backpack. It works pretty well. We were we were prepared. We bought some Montreal and some uh, some seasoning, and then we brought some olive oil. So we knew we were going to kill something. Yeah, is what we. And you got to have olive oil too. <laughs> yeah. Although yeah, I've been lately. I've been taking um, coconut oil, just because it gets hard, Ooh. like when it's cold, you know. So it's not yeah. like runny in case you pop something open or something like that. It's worked pretty well too. That's smart. I like that. So you got any, uh, any more traveling and hunts to do? I mean, it's November. There's a lot of hunting left, a lot of hunting time. Yeah, my bull tag, I drew a pretty good bull tag here in Wyoming. Uh, I had that heartbreaking uh, moment in September, but I'm going out again uh, this weekend hunt with a rifle. So we'll see if I get one. Uh, and then I've got a lot of traveling coming up with Kafaru. We've got super busy schedule going into the first part of the year, so I'm going this weekend to Douglas to try to get that bull down. And then I go straight to South Dakota to film something. And then, uh, basically I go, uh, from there to Arizona with Kenny. And then we go to, we actually got a booth at the NFR this okay. year. So we're going to NFR in Vegas and then straight into show season. So it'll be pretty busy. Show season gets crazy, right? Like January, February is pretty nuts for you guys. Yeah. I think we go into all the big shows. So it's just going to be back to back to back living out of yeah. a hotel room. I'm excited. Yeah. I love it. I love the shows. Like, yeah, I do. I love being there, especially sheep show. Sheep show is my favorite. Um, just the vibes there. I love it. So hanging out with a bunch mm. of hunters. Yeah, it's cool. They all come by. And of course, Kavara has a name that we have. So it's just like, uh, it's just awesome. I love people it. want to talk yeah yeah people talk tell stories outfitters come by at sheep show and want to talk about hunts and everything and i'm like big ideas last year, yeah <laughs> yeah big ideas uh last year we were next to some uh outfitter from like Tajikistan or something and i was like how much for one of those argalis and he's like i can get you in at one hundred and sixty thousand. i was like okay probably not right now but maybe yeah. one day. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm going to need to start saving now. But, man, those, that <laughs> yeah. would be a sick hunt. That would be so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Anything in overseas is, is what I want to do. Eventually, I want to go to Africa. Um, but yeah. most most of anything, I want to hunt Marco Polo. Ooh, that really would be sick. Marco Polo's. Yeah. That's my dream hunt. Interesting. So, because that's like, I mean, that's like epic, as epic looking as it gets to terrain, you know, an epic part of the world. And like that animal is, is crazy. I know you're hunting at like 20,000 feet. Yeah. You know, 
which is insane. And like, so, if anybody's ever looked him up, like that's a the like a Marco Polo Ram is like curl, curl, curl. It's like out. It's an it's an incredible looking animal. Yeah, especially like the giant ones. Like it doesn't even look real. And yeah, you know, at sheep at sheep show they'll have a lot of like Euro mounts of the Marco Polo, and they're like six foot wide. Like it's insane. Yeah. How and it weighs like like sixty pounds, just a Euro. So, <laughs> Um, yeah, of course I want to go shoot one of those. So, but they're expensive, but one day hopefully I can afford it and I'm going to definitely jump on it. Yeah. It's just planning, you know, I, the, you know what I will say, hanging something that heavy is hard on the wall. Like I'm trying to figure <laughs> that I've got uh, my moose head. It's probably like 50 pounds. Right. But like, yeah. with, it's just to get it, it's get, I got a Euro mount, but to get it against the wall and like not pulling out. Like I'm, I'm still trying to figure out a, a way to even do it right now. It's literally sitting out on my kitchen table until I figure out a plan for for it to get it on the wall. It's a good problem to have. That's why I keep telling my wife, I'm like, hey, this is you know all the problems. We could you know be in the hospital or you know running out of food or whatever. And our big problem right now is we have a giant moose skull on our kitchen table <laughs> trying to figure out what to do with it. That's awesome. So. That's awesome. What well, did that moose end up scoring? I have no idea. Fifty inches. Okay. Okay. I didn't have it scored. That's yeah. solid. I've never yeah, had sweet. any anything I've shot scored ever. Okay. I like I'm it. I'm curious. But I like it. uh it just it's always just like, ah, uh, I'll do that later. And then I like set it off to the side and then I just forget about it. Yeah. Well, congrats on that. That was a that was an awesome hunt, it looked like. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, the, the film, well, this podcast, when this goes po- live, the film will be out. Um, It goes out on the, I think it's the 29th, the 29th, which is cool with uh, the WTA channel. So we got, I mean, epic footage of it. Uh, Like, we actually, where we shot it, we were able to set up two cameras. So we have one camera guy following me around, but he had one on me and one long lens on the bull. Um, and so just, it worked out like perfectly to get like some sweet footage of a kill. So excited. I, I cannot That's wait awesome. to roll that out. Yeah. And then we've got another one coming out this spring. Right, we did with you guys um, with our bear hunt in, in Alaska. So that'll come out sometime during the spring bear season. So it's all by that point, it'll almost be a year before since the hunt. So it's like, I hate sitting on footage that like, I want to show people, you know what I mean? Sweet. I'll be one of the first people to watch it come the 29th. So I'm excited. Excellent. Yeah. Perfect. Well, uh, we're coming up on time. Um, you know, I appreciate you taking the time to come just BS for a while. Hey everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode. We really do appreciate it. If you want to go on to any kind of social media platform, give us a like, share, subscribe. You know, it really help us out, keeps the train rolling. And if you guys really like what you're listening here, give us a five Either star way, if, even if you don't like it. Even if you don't like review. it, five stars. That'd helps cool. everyone out. We'll see you out there.